Welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Travel Alert. I'm Steve Glenn. I'm Paul Glenn. This week we've got exciting things happening with uh, the world of travel, Paul. And it seems as we get toward the end of the year, there seems to be even more things going on. We've got an exciting day to share with you. Let's go. Our first headline of this week's Weekly Travel Alert reads... Two giant tourism tragedies. Maui will rebound. Acapulco will never return to its glory. Paul, I'm looking at almost a tale of two two different cities where we have the tragic fire months ago at Maui that literally burned a whole town of Lanai down. And uh, there were like 97 deaths that went with that. But uh, all the businesses, all the houses, and, and you... I compared that with what happened in Acapulco just two weeks ago, where almost 100 people died as well, and hundreds more are missing. And if you look at the two cities, Maui's starting to already see the green shoots of, of life come back to it slowly. People are very respectful. But Acapulco was really already down and out, and now they're probably off the face of the tourism map forever, if you look at it. The tragedy there, I looked through photos, it was just massive. Yeah, I I don't think it's any surprise. I think we all knew Maui was going to bounce back because it's just such a wonderful destination. But uh, Acapulco, I, I think we were there about 15 years ago now, and I was surprised that it was still a destination at that point just because of what the experience was there and what the the reality of the crime challenges that they face there. So it kind of made it so it wasn't something that that I would want to go to again. just because there are other options that you can get the same experience, especially in Mexico. So yeah. I think it's 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 been a surprise to me that it's it's still been a destination. Acapulco in the 1960s with the famous movie stars. You had the president, John and Jackie Kennedy. You had, uh, oh my gosh, Frank Sinatra. Basically, all those 1960 Las Vegas stars, they went to Acapulco. They did the cliff diving. I can still remember Wide World of Sports Uh, with the cliff diving championships Mm -hmm. out of there. And, of course, that's still a a hot item there. But the infrastructure hasn't been updated for 40 years. And uh, you had mentioned the crime, which is massive. And now that's people basically I won't recommend. And I know the State Department even puts the whole territory off. They recommend you don't go there. Yeah, well, and I think what we've seen is, uh, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, the development of Cancun and then Cabo, um, over the last 20 to 30 years. So I think there are, uh, going back to the infrastructure, there are newer infrastructures and newer properties that you can, can get down to the all-inclusive that Mexico uh, attracts people with and be able to do it where you don't have as much of the uh, lack of infrastructure and the crime is more controlled. The other thing that you know it brought to my attention was The two different types of travel, if you go to the east coast of Mexico, it's great for swimming and beaches and warmer water. You got the water of the Gulf, which is warm. Okay. If you go to the west side, that's great for fishing, but they have terrible beaches. They're rocky. And more importantly, 
the water's coming from Alaska down that direction. So the water's cold. Yeah. You don't want to be in that water without a wetsuit. So if you're looking for beach, go to the east side. If you're looking for sports fishing, you'll go to the west side of Mexico. Yeah, many people don't realize that, that Cabo, the great destination that it is, and it's wonderful for fishing, and, and we've had some some great excursions there with that, but you can't even get into the water on many of the beaches. They've got big, beautiful beaches, and, and uh, so you can get that experience. But because of that undertow, the drop-off um, is yeah. so, so rapid that you can't get out and enjoy the beaches. The second half headline of this week's weekly travel alert reads it looks and feels like the travel industry bull market is starting to soften paul i i read all the articles of what's going on you notice that the airlines are having big sales europe's on sale domestics on sale southwest is saying 59 dollars flights alaska air does the same and then you look at the hotels you look at all the things uh, delta cutting staff fedex laying off pilots all those headlines basically tell me that this massive bull market, so to speak, in travel is perhaps starting to moderate just a tad. Yeah, I was at a uh, meeting last week with a bunch of our peers. And you know, when I asked the question, what have people seen here the last three to four weeks? And that was kind of the general consensus is everybody's kind of thinking that the economic situation, as well as what the year ahead with the election, that 2024 is going to be very different than what the last 18 months post-COVID have been with travel. I think I think the thing, though, that's going to stay with us is the move from possessions to experiences, especially the younger people. I think they've moved in that direction. And I think even the baby boomers are saying, you know, I don't need to I don't need to grab more stuff. I'd rather take the family and travel and experience that once in a lifetime type experience. And they're also spending money on things like upgraded seats yeah. first class you mentioned that people now buy first class tickets yeah no it's been amazing to see how long the list from upgrades is anymore when you're going to get on a flight because the airlines don't have seats to give away anymore so people are are paying for those and you know as we've talked about many times over the last month i've been watching certain airfares last week the ones that i was watching actually bumped up from you know forty five hundred dollars a ticket up to over seven thousand dollars a ticket but then today i got a notification on those that they'd gone back to about that forty five hundred dollars a ticket so yeah. so i think we're seeing a lot but we're seeing a lot of instability was that in june or when were you going to that travel? is in june june okay. july next summer Okay. Yeah, because I've had friends ask, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to Rome in June, and the tickets were like eighteen hundred for a coach ticket, two thousand dollars." And they said, "Should I buy now?" And I said, "Well, usually there's a sale that pops up sometime after Christmas, uh, and I'm hoping that'll happen again if the seats aren't full." Well, and I think the airlines, as they've as we've talked about, you know, they've announced that they're adding uh, flights for next summer into Europe. So, right. you know, as as kind of what we're discussing right now it'll be interesting to see if they stick with that or if there is a softening if they pull back some of those additional flights to europe they've been talking about the third headline in this week's weekly travel alert reads 2024 promises to be the year of the big convention paul post-covid we've been having little meetings and little meetings and a little bit bigger meetings kind of tests in the water and now people are confident they're not worried literally i think 
COVID is in the rearview mirror. I think people are ready to get back out there. They're ready to get back on with life. You know, I just came out of a meeting this morning, and that was one of our our topics is we've got corporate clients that are now saying, we need help with big conventions. We need you to help put these things together with us. So I think you're exactly right that that people are putting COVID in the rearview. They're saying, we got to get back out. We got to either showcase our product or we got to pull people together. We got to re engage in, in what it is that we do. And that means getting people back together. And now we're seeing big meetings coming back uh, with thousands of people. And uh, that really, I think, is going to help the business traveler get back into the full business travel mode that they've kind of been out of. The, the vacation travelers led this last two years. Yes. And now the business traveler is getting back engaged. They're coming back into the office in many cases. So I think it'll be a strong year from business travel and maybe a little bit shallower with the vacation travel. We'll see what happens. But I also think that people think, uh, you know, I've got one life to live yeah. and I'm going to live it. Yeah. And that means I'm going to travel. And you and I are fortunate to be in the travel business. Now, executive travel's been here 38 years and you've been how long a part of that almost 30 almost 30 so exciting times to still be in the travel business Uh, it's a great great business and it's ever-changing so i think that's the one guarantee that we've got is it's always fun because there's always a new destination there's always a new uh new opportunity in travel the next headline in this week's weekly travel alert reads the average price quoted for a breakfast in phoenix for a small meeting next year paul you won't believe this seven $78 for breakfast. I think I can skip it for that. <laughs> I don't eat breakfast very often, but I I almost fell out of my chair when we went and got bids for a meeting, a small meeting of about 50, 60 people. And all the, this was the average price that came in was 78. And that includes like a 35% service fee yeah. on top of the breakfast. And that's not fancy, of course. And um, when I when I found that out, I said, well, what's the lunch cost? It's about $4 more for lunch. So breakfast and lunch, you'd think there'd be a big differentiator. And then when you're talking with a dinner, plate of dinner, you're probably over $100 per person. So get this. 80 bucks for breakfast, 80 bucks for lunch, 100 plus for dinner. You've got 260 bucks per person for that uh, attendee to that meeting in Phoenix in December, which isn't really, it's getting into their high season in January, February, March, but it isn't their high season yet. So I think what hotels have found out is, hey, they'll give you a great room rate but make up for it in their in their food and beverage. Yeah, I think really as you're looking at putting together a program like that, the primary thing most people tend to look at is that room rate. But in that contract somewhere, they're going to have that food and beverage minimum that they take all that into consideration. And that actually oftentimes adds up to more than what your, your room rates are going to entail at the end of the day. I'm going to editorialize a little bit here, Paul, because the thing that I see and I'm aghast at is a lot of companies allow an administrative assistant to do their contracts for these meetings. And they're on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars. They don't know. They don't read that contract. That small print. That small print is worth tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars where, hey, you say, well, we thought we'd have uh, 100 rooms filled. We can only fill 50. Oh, sorry, you got to pay for that for six nights at 50 
50 rooms for six nights. That's 300 room nights. Let's say it's 250 apiece. That's tens of thousands of dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to have a professional help you sign those hotel contracts. That's what Executive Travel does. We've got a special team that does that day in and day out, looks at all those contracts and negotiates that. So be very careful when you're cutting a hotel deal. The next item on this week's weekly travel alert reads, I think a lot of meeting planners for small meetings will start looking at having their meals and dinners at off-site locations. We're we're the perfect example of this. We had Simplifying Travel down in Fort Lauderdale about a month ago now, and for our staff event following Simplifying Travel, we it was cheaper to get transportation and go down and actually be at a restaurant on the beach outside than it was to stay at the hotel and have a have the hotel cater the the dinner. So, you know, I think it's something it's also and I don't I'm sure I'm not the only guy that that gets home from a, a meeting and I say that could have been in Lincoln, Nebraska right. for the fact that I never left the hotel. Right. So it's actually a great opportunity to give people the experience of the destination that is why Why you selected where you were going. Yeah, so, if you go to Fort Lauderdale and you sit all day in the hotel, you, you might as well have been in Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah, right? Yeah. So we probably wouldn't have had the same attendance in Lincoln, Nebraska, but uh, Fort Lauderdale, and, and we were able to get out on the beach and get the feel, and for a lot of our staff, they didn't they haven't been on a beach. Well, so. and I, but I think to that, I think you really got to look at what is it going to entail, obviously, as you pointed out, for simplifying travel when we were bringing in clients and prospects you know the destination was part of why they came but if it was just a staff meeting and we were going to be in meetings all day or if we were were throwing a an event of some sort that was just going to be in hotels would it be better to be in say a hub city right where everybody can get in and out and you're minimizing the inconvenience of sorts that comes with you know getting back from fort lauderdale that can be an all-day thing if somebody's coming in from the west coast or, or like my experience last week i was in phoenix well phoenix it's a two-hour time difference and my meeting doesn't wrap till noon which means i can't get on a flight until three which means i'm not getting home till 11 right. versus you know someplace like chicago or denver which if i'm yeah. sitting in a hotel all day doesn't really matter what that destination is but every Everybody could have gotten a direct flight home. So, you know, those are all things to think through as you're looking at what is the intention and what's what's the experience going to be. Yeah, and it's the travel time too. It's it's not just the the meeting. It's the travel time to get there, and that one connection can add basically make a full day of travel to get there versus a two hour yeah. travel. So, and I think some of the hotels are starting to figure that out. As you look at, say, Denver is a good example of. All the hotels that have been put up within five miles of the Denver airport over the last <laughs> 10 years, yeah. well, I think they recognize. And the nice thing is, is you know, with that leisure, with the business leisure mix, is you can go to a place like Denver, have your meetings, but now people will extend and they'll go up into the mountains. They'll go hiking or skiing or whatever it may be. So they can actually get a nice tie into that when you're doing a destination like Denver. The next item on this week's weekly travel alert reads, I'm about to take a flight that lasts 17 hours, Paul. I'm going from San Francisco to Singapore, from Singapore to Bangkok, from Bangkok to Delhi, from Delhi back to Singapore, back to San Francisco, and back to good old Omaha, Nebraska. So my flight from San Francisco to Singapore is 17 hours. 
Now, the one thing that I have that I'm blessed with that I didn't, when I was your age, I didn't get to travel business class. I traveled everywhere coach, but I've been able to work with frequent flyer miles and other things. And, and now I'm able to fly in business class, which is significantly different, basically lay flat, sleep, um, much different uh, environment than coach class. And so when people say you're 17 hours, that's a tough flight. Well, if you can get to sleep, it's actually a pretty easy flight. But the problem is, is I only usually sleep three or four hours and then get up, do some work, and then try to get another three or four hours. Yeah, I think that's the challenge. And you really do have to uh, have, a, have a plan in process for taking the amount of time of a flight and figuring out, okay, am I going to eat when I get on? Because usually that first hour to hour and a half, they're going to serve uh, a meal. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then figure out how do I sleep? And yeah. what's my plan of attack? Am Especially gonna... to Europe, you yeah. know, because some of those are eight-hour flights. Yep. And when you you get on, you want to eat, and then you want to go to sleep. At and then they're gonna and then they're gonna start a uh, another service an hour and a half before landing. So right. you know you're really out of an eight hour flight. You've got five hours that you could actually dedicate to something like sleep. Um, but you got to go in and understand that. So you've got that plan because you stay up and watch a movie after after yeah, the, the, the first meal, and all of a sudden you've only got two to three hours left before they're gonna start that next service. So yeah, yeah it, it's something. There's actually there's used to be an app i don't know if it still exists but it's called like timekeeper and it helps you plan uh put something in place so even a couple days before you start traveling you start working your body schedule so that you can adjust accordingly so not sure if that one's still out there but it was interesting uh pre-covid when i i looked at that and how you know they try to figure out the science to that well, and also, I'm going into Bangkok and Delhi. I have to take all these shots. I just came here from the doctor who gave me a typhoid shot in the left arm and a flu shot in the right arm, and I, I need to get one or two more. But uh, there I got to take malaria p- tablets. I got to take uh, diarrhea tablets in case I <laughs> catch up with something there. And so... Uh, some one of our next weekly travelers, we're going to have a list of all the things you have to do when you travel, especially into Asia and also even into Europe, all the, the checklist of all the things you need to consider to stay healthy. So uh, the world's uh, an interesting place. In some places, it's quite dangerous. All I can say is better you than me on this one from my perspective. But two, based on all the things that you just said, I don't think the phones are going to be ringing off the hook to book <laughs> To go over to India here. Well, it's never been a, a great uh, bucket list item for me. I just have business there that I got to take care of. So we'll grin and bear it and hopefully have good results. And I'm only there like two days in Bangkok and two days in India. So I, I'm not spending a whole lot of time there, but uh, for sure don't want to catch malaria. So I got to take those tablets. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the Weekly Traveler. This is put on by Executive Travel. Paul and I have been blessed to be able to work here with great customers. We're a travel management company that works with helping companies manage their travel. We negotiate hotel rates, their airline rates, their car rental rates, all the policies that they have to put in place. We even help design their online websites so that their employees can book their travel. So we've uh, got a very good niche, don't we, Paul? That yeah, well, and we're blessed to have amazing people. I mean, yeah. that's the reality is, is 38 years into this, 
we wouldn't be what we are if we didn't have an amazing team that surrounds us. Yeah, and it seems like it's it's getting more fun every year. It actually, is. when we're when our teams gelling together and working together, and uh, we're having people come to us now and say, "Hey, we're just not getting the service that we did from our other company. Would you help us?" That's yeah. kind of fun, isn't it? When you I, hear those words, I think that was the best part of simplifying travel was just you know people, the prospects that that were there and got to meet our team and got to hear about what we do. They got to talk to our clients and they said. I want to be a part of that because that's yeah. not what I currently get. Yeah. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Steve Glenn. I'm Paul Glenn. Please like, subscribe, and share, and add any comments or questions below so that we can talk about topics that you want us to on future episodes. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>